This morning we are going to once again look at 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read from verses 11 through 12 uh, and then skip down and read from verses 15 through 21. The title of the sermon this morning is Signs of Sensible Good and Grace. Signs of Sensible Good and Grace. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Let's pray. O oh, Heavenly Father, you have been so good to us. You created a, girl, a good world for us. And you shared that goodness from the beginning. And yet, Lord, we have rejected that good over and over. And so we praise you that you have also been gracious. You have granted us a demerited favor that allows us to enjoy that goodness because of the spirit that is at work within us to turn our hearts towards that good. But you, has all, you have also in that grace enabled us to receive a, good, a goodness that is not found within this world, but it is, comes from the world that is yet to be revealed in fullness. And so we ask this morning, O oh God, that we, you would renew us once again according to who we truly are in Jesus Christ so that we can be expressions of our heavenly Savior to those who desperately are in need of something that this world cannot offer. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, for those who have come in a little bit late, just as a reminder, or invitation, however you want to take it, we are going to be celebrating communion, and the elements are found on the table we will not be distributing them during the service. So if you need those uh, before we get there, uh, just feel free to get up and get those. You're not going to distract anybody. It has been absolute torture to attempt to unfold for you the amazing things that are contained in this letter of 1 Peter. It is a perspective that is so foreign to us naturally and that it is so beyond us without his help 
and that is quite often impeded by the way we live. And yet, over and over, throughout the New Testament, for especially, what we have presented to us is that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and because he has ascended to the heavenly places, where he has entered into that, that heavenly temple, that heavenly temple that served as that pattern by which the earthly tabernacles and temples were to point us. As he has done that, there is a new reality that exists within history. And that what was promised throughout Scripture going all the way back, not only to Genesis 3.15 and the first preaching of the gospel, but all the way back to, that, to the very beginning of creation in which God entered into this covenant of works with, Adam's, uh, with Adam. What was offered was a life with God in a perfected reality that could never be lost in which the goodness, the eternal goodness and beauty of the Lord would be our diet forevermore. That is what he offered us from the very beginning. And that is what Adam and Eve rejected. And yet God's offer is still there. Because he is not doing that for our benefit alone. He is doing it because he wants it. He wants to live with us and to share the eternal goodness and beauty and truth of who he is with us. That's his desire. That's his heart. And that is what motivates and drives him to do the things that he's doing, not because we are worthy of those things, but because he wants them for us, and so we are going to get them because he is not going to be denied. What was rejected by Adam and Eve has been secured by Jesus Christ. And what was lost because of Adam and Eve has been restored in Jesus Christ. Here in this letter of 1 Peter, he uses this phrase, sojourners and exiles. And he uses it to do two things. One is to properly set our perspective with regards to our ongoing existence in this world, the world under the sun, the world that began in that first creation day, that world that will at some point pass away. But what he is also doing with that phrase is expressing what is on the other side of it. If we are not citizens of this world, then of what world are we citizens? We are citizens of the heavenly places. We are those who have been raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We are those who in Jesus Christ have been born again to a living hope in which that promised inheritance is something that we have, not in its fullness, but it is ours. And he, God through Jesus Christ, 
is protecting that inheritance for us. And he is protecting us for that inheritance. Now, everything that he has been saying in 1 Peter is flowing out of that. What does that then mean for us as we live in a world that continues to bear the ongoing consequences of Adam and Eve's original rejection? What does it look like for us to live in a world that continues to manifest that original rejection of Jesus Christ himself? Because that's the world we live in. That's the world that we're called, as Peter has told us here over and over, to set our allegiance to God and to therefore show forth the superiority of his value and his worth in contrast to the different values and worth that are found within this world that are found to be lesser. They are found to be finite. They are found to be those things that will rust and decay and ruin. God, from the very beginning, set his goodness before us as his people, as his created people. And this goodness was set forth not in words originally. As Adam and Eve come into, uh, as they come into life and as they enter into life with God and with one another in the garden, they, they know of God's goodness, but not, we are told, because God goes to them and says, hey, by the way, You'll, be, you'll really like this. I'm actually a good God. He doesn't have to go and say to them, I'm good. Because he has made this world and placed them within it that he himself calls very good. Now, why would I say that? Well, God's goodness is something that from the very beginning of creation, he set before people in something that was visual, something that was tangible, something that could be handled and held. We are told that he created all the trees, and we are told he created all the vegetation. We are told that he created everything that they needed to eat and to have their lives sustained. And that everything that he made for them, all of that food that he made for them, he called very good. And that when they would eat that food, what we are told, or, or as it is presented to us, is that, that good food that they, would, that they would eat, that warm sunshine that they would feel, that those were things, those were tangible expressions of God's goodness that were meant to take them beyond the thing to what the thing was presenting to them. That as they ate that food in the garden, it was to move them beyond just, hey, this is good food, to celebrating and enjoying the one who had provided that good food. When they, any provision that they had, it was an expression of God's goodness. It was a tangible, 
concrete, sensible expression of his goodness, of his care, of his love, of his desires to be our father. And he gave this from the very beginning. But what Adam and Eve did was not reject God by rejecting his gifts. What they did was they decided that they wanted to have the gifts without having God in the process. They wanted the good things without wanting the good one behind them. They were happy to receive God's goodness. They just didn't want to do it on God's terms. And so they were willing to separate the tangible expression of God's goodness from the source of that goodness. Is it any wonder that in God bringing these back together for us, he has done it by sending his son to take on flesh that could be seen. As John says in both his gospel uh, and as he says in his first epistle, it is what we touched. It was what we handled. We, it is what we saw. God, from the very beginning, has not just given us words about himself, and he has not just given us truth in propositions about himself, even though he has done those things. He has expressed that goodness in concrete ways that were visible with the purpose of those concrete expressions of his goodness being pathways to experiencing his goodness. What was rejected in wanting to separate things, God has brought back together. And he did it by coming in the flesh. He did it in showing us what a good life is is in revealing to us Jesus Christ. What does it look like to live a life that is an expression of eternal devotion to the Father? Well, you see that in Jesus Christ. Now, one of the reasons that is so important for us here in this epistle and in any epistle that we would ever look at is that as we have this calling here in 1 Peter to reveal these things, not in these expressions of heavenly greatness, by expressing these things in being subject to human authority, by being subject to masters, even masters who are not good, in calling us to this, he has first filled us with the Christ who has already done this for us. And he has filled us with the Christ that is continuing to do that through us. Peter has told us and look, he is saying this to people that more, most likely are living in the time of Nero. He is telling them, honor Nero. 
Now that's hard. I don't like it. Maybe you are okay with it. I don't like it. And I struggle with this. And I wrestle against this. And yet, the blessing that God has given us is that in calling us to this, in calling me to do this, he has filled me with a Christ that has already done this. And that the intimacy that I have with Jesus Christ and the intimacy that you have with Jesus Christ is that intimacy of that union that Peter will go on to say in 2 Peter is that the life of God has taken up residence in the soul of man. Everything that God calls us to be and to do He grants us in Jesus Christ. And so the more that we sow Christ within ourselves, Peter is saying, the more we will be able to express that Christ in the midst of submission to authority that is oppressive. And he never once here says, overthrow the oppression. That's what I would like to do. But that is not what he says. He fills us with a Christ who gave himself to human authority even though he didn't have to. There is only one reason that Jesus was arrested in that garden, and that's because he wanted to be. There is only one reason that he stood before Pilate without putting Pilate on his knees, and that's because he wanted to do it. There is only one way that he stood before the Sanhedrin, and as those men hurled false accusations at him and presented false witnesses against him, there is only one reason that they were allowed to talk and to do that, and that's because God in Jesus Christ wanted them to. Because this was the joy that was set before Christ in order to bring us to him. Beloved, what we have in Jesus Christ is not only a provision for our salvation, but a provision for reflecting that reality in this world, especially when it is not easy to do so. Now, what he does here in in this passage here in chapter 2 is really interesting to me because he takes all of what we have talked about and he uses it to help us not only know what we are supposed to do and not only to receive what Christ is doing in us and through us, but he lets us understand the significance of what we are actually being a part of when we will actually submit ourselves to Jesus Christ and entrust ourselves to the impartial judge, our Heavenly Father, and struggle and suffer. And the first thing that we are told here is that when we do this, What we are doing is setting forth the goodness of God in this world. 
The goodness of God is not only expressed in his creation. The goodness of God is not only expressed in the beauty that we see and the goodness that we can experience uh, in this world, even though the world is fallen, even though the world is broken, even though his creation is groaning for its own redemption, God's goodness is still here and his goodness can still be seen. His goodness can still be experienced in this world. But even more than that, his goodness can be seen when you and I subject ourselves to human institutions. And when we do that, not only because the institution is good and proper and respectful and honorable, but when we do that when it is not. This is so counterintuitive, and yet this is the reality. You and I become sensible signs of God's goodness in this world when we do this. We become this visual goodness of God that people can see. God has always wanted his goodness expressed visually and tangibly, and beloved, he is still doing that, and he does that even through you and me. And not only when we are revealing strength and power and glory, but when we express humility, and when we express trust in him. We, as the people of God, serve as signs of sensible good within this world for those who need to see it. But secondly, notice in verse 19, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Why? For this is a gracious thing, as it says in the ESV. In the Greek, it just simply says, this is grace. This is What credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? What does that mean? It doesn't mean he's saying, hey, go out there and try to get beaten. He's not saying, hey, you know, when you get beaten, don't act like it's not that big a deal. What he's saying is this. If you do something wrong and you get in trouble for it and you go, yeah, okay, I did it wrong, I'll accept the penalty, guess what? You're really not doing much. You're doing what is proper. And that's good. There is nothing wrong with that. That is a good thing to do. But what happens if you've been doing good, if you've been living as an expression of God's goodness within this world, and the hostile world decides to harm you for it, to make it difficult for you? Well, if you endure through that, what you are revealing is grace. When we are able 
to reveal our trust in the Father by going through difficult things and persevering, not reviling, not talking back, not trying to prove ourselves right. When we go through it in a way that reveals humility, what we are revealing is that same humility of Jesus Christ. So that when we do go to express God's truth in words, that Jesus Christ, who was eternal God, came to the world and he took on flesh and he humbled himself. We are saying it to people who've already seen that in us so that the words of proclamation of the gospel have a tangible expression that they can connect with. Beloved, what we are as the people of God in this world, as citizens of the heavenly places, we are visible, we are tangible, we are sensible signs of God's goodness and God's grace. That, it is amazing. That is an amazing calling and privilege, even though the process is very difficult. I'm not going to try to lie. I'm not going to sit here and try to say, you know what? Just keep going about things, and, you know, when things are difficult, just avoid those things and, you know, promote the things that are easy. What God tells us is that when we are able to reveal the humility of Christ within this world, especially when we are revealing it in response to being mistreated, we are showing forth Christ. We are sensible signs of God's goodness. We are sensible signs of God's grace. Is that how you see yourself? When you get up in the morning, do you, do you see yourself as, you know what? I am someone in this world that in every interaction I have today, I get to show forth God's goodness. That I am a visible presentation. That I am a visible presentation of God's grace. Because that's who we are. And that's what we're being called to. And what Peter has told us is that is the Christ that we have received. And so this morning, what we have before us is not only the truth of God set forth in these words to fill us again, and to fuel us again, and to feed us, to get us ready to go out there and be sensible signs of God's goodness and grace. What he does is he gives us sensible signs of bread and a cup to show forth to us a visual, tangible expression of his goodness and grace. Not just a goodness within this world and not just a, a, a general grace that uh, people can experience within this world, but he is giving us heavenly bread. He is giving us the blood of Jesus Christ 
What we are feasting on are our realities of the heavenly places that are there to nourish us and to feed us so that as we look here at the, the sensible signs, as the bread will be broken, it is not only revealing that Christ has been broken for you, it is revealing that you and I continue to reveal a broken Christ to the world. Just as Christ humbled himself in giving himself in body and blood, you and I humble ourselves in giving ourselves back to God to serve as visual, sensible signs of this meal to this world. As we enter into this time of receiving Christ in this special way, set your hearts and minds not only in receiving something for you, which you certainly should do, but see that in receiving this, you are receiving power to go out and to be this to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, so that we, within a world right now that is crumbling, we can be visible, sensible signs that there is a good God who is still ruling and reigning and that there is grace to be found with him when one will humble themselves and receive his grace as he offers it in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you that, that you have just that you give yourself to us. That you are eternal. And yet you feed us with yourself. You feed us through your word. You feed us when we trust and trust ourselves to you in prayer. You feed us when we uh, have fellowship with one another. You feed us when we eat and drink this bread and this cup by faith. And so, Father, help us today in feeding on you in this fresh way that we would be reset in understanding who we are so that we can continue to strive to reveal your superior worth within this world. A world that is burning right now because of chaos, Lord, let us be an expression of your goodness and your order within this world. Father, we pray that that Christians out there right now that are tempted to participate in the chaos because they think that they're somehow doing good might step back and realize that the goodness that we are to show is the goodness of a humble Christ that is willing to undergo difficulties and even rejection. Father, we, we pray that in doing this, it is not that we might turn a blind eye or turn our backs or put our heads in the sand, but that we might, in acknowledging the problems of sin that do exist out there, that we would approach them according to your truth. 
and that we would avail, make ourselves available to you and available to this world in dealing with those sins, but doing so according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us the courage we need not to stick our heads in the sand and the courage we need not to try to overpower and overcome the difficulties, but give us the courage we need to entrust ourselves to you and to reveal your long-suffering and to reveal your patience and to reveal that you, yes, are going to come and judge, but you are not doing that yet. And Father, may we be that bouquet of the heavenly places to the people who just need it as their nostrils are filled with the stench of sin and death. Father, we pray that for those in our congregation that are struggling with health issues, that they too might, if they are here today, feasting on your sacrament, that they may know your presence and be encouraged to continue to press forward in the midst of their physical illnesses and struggles. Lord, pain, everyday pain especially, it just can suck the life out of someone. And yet, Lord, let us know that there is no life that can be within us than the one that exists for all eternity. And that you have taken up residence even to redeem us in the midst of our struggles with illnesses and disease. Father, encourage those to keep pressing forward to entrust themselves to you and to make themselves available in service even though it is hard and even though it is difficult. And Lord, help them to do that in a way that is within, uh, that, that makes sense for them within the struggles that they have. Father, we pray for our government and we ask that you would provide wisdom at every level right now as there seems to be chaos and there seems to be struggle at each level. We praise you for the leaders that you have set up because these are the ones that you want. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to remember that and to be able to subject ourselves to them, not because of who they are or whether or not they are worthy, but because these are the ones whom you have selected for now. Help us to be humble and help us to live out the humility of Jesus Christ. And Father, give them wisdom and give them courage as there is much that needs to happen right now that is difficult. Father, we pray for those who are struggling with COVID-19. We pray for our first responders and we, we pray for those who are working in the labs to try to find a solution. Father, we pray that the people who, who know you and have that disease might continue to entrust themselves to you and those who do not, Lord, that this would be the kind of thing that would lead them to ask themselves the ultimate questions of life and that you would then provide them people within their lives to give them the truth of your word, both in terms of a life that is lived in front of them as well as the expressions of the gospel of Jesus Christ through speech. Father, we pray for the missionaries. We pray for all of those who are stuck outside of their, of their countries right now, stuck 
not able to be um, there and doing uh, their work. We pray for their patience, and we pray that they would entrust themselves to you and wherever they find themselves, and that they would use this time to actively prepare themselves to be ready to go back in when you open those doors. Father, we pray that they would be encouraged with your presence and with fellowship wherever they are so that they might be renewed and that they might go forth in the strength of of a time of respite in order to go back in and to serve in the midst of a very difficult situation where the fallout, Lord, of COVID-19 is still yet to have fully appeared. We pray, Father, for uh, those missionaries that are, or we pray for those people groups, Lord, that do not have missionaries working among them and ask that you send people, that you would open doors to the gospel in every people group, and that you would save some from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And Father, we pray that as we continue to serve as your people here within this place, that you would grant us a global vision in order that we might, in living out our everyday lives, live them with global missions in mind. In the way that we use our time and our treasures and our talents, Lord, let them be given to your service and to the service of your people and to our neighbors. Father, use us is what we are asking. Use us not only in the work that we do here within East Paulding and West Cobb, but use us throughout this world. And so we do pray and ask that all of your blessings that you have given us in Jesus Christ would be blessings that we would actively seek after and that we would actively sow within our lives day after day after day, knowing that a man reaps what he sows. Father, we pray and ask that you do all of this for the glory of your great name, for the joy of your people, and for the salvation of your elect. It is in Jesus' name that we pray.